You're listening to City Beat, the weekly podcast from UrbanMilwaukee.com. I'm your host, Jeremy Janine. Today we are joined by the editor of the recently published Milwaukee Anthology, Justin Kern. We will talk about the book, how it came together, where it goes next, what's all included in it. Don't touch that dial, close that app, or hit skip. We'll be right back. Justin Kern, welcome to City Beat. Thank you very much for having me on. For the benefit of our audience, why don't you tell us a bit about your background before we go any further? Ten years professional tap. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why I thought that was funny. I actually, on the way here, just briefly did have a mild daydream of starting a rap career under the name Flonase. Uh, <laughs> there might be trademark issues with that. That's immediately what anyone I mentioned it to said. So uh, obviously not a comedian. I spent uh, years as a uh, print journalist, da- daily news reporter um, in western New York and uh, out here in Waukesha at the Freeman. And then I went over to cover the tech industry and, and met my wife and bought a house and became a Milwaukeean, um, although I still root on the bills, but I'm definitely a, uh, a Milwaukeean uh, through and through now. And these days I, I do um, communications for my day job for uh, for nonprofit and um and I've spent the last year plus in uh, all my free time um, editing and arranging and begging and pleading and thanking for, for people to be involved with this uh, anthology. And f- so for the audience, that's like, what is what does an anthology look like? It's, an, it's a nice paperback book. It's about 200 pages. But how does one come up with the idea to do this? Why would one take this on? This seems like a Herculean task. Uh, it was a lot more work than when I sent the email and they said yes. You know, I was like, oh, sure, yeah, I could just do this. Um, this is uh, Belt Publishing, who put it out, our, our really great uh, nonprofit publisher out of Cleveland that have a, have a keen, smart eye on presenting the stories uh, from, from the Rust Belt, from the Midwest, from people who live here and know it and know its diversity, its actual struggles, um, and, and the opportunities. And so I had been, I'd been lucky to be involved with them when they had a book about Buffalo a couple of years back and wrote a story kind of about my screwed up hometown and a kind of a mythological creature slash guy that <laughs> broke out of jail. And, uh, they, they were super supportive and, and really great around that Buffalo book. And so, uh, happened to reach out to them, you know, about two years later and asked, have you guys thought about doing a Milwaukee one? And they said, have you thought about being the editor for the Milwaukee one? So um, it just serendipitous, I guess, a little bit that it worked out. But um, I think to me, it was the kind of thing of being here for more than 10 years now and a, a sense of place, kind of kind of pushing ahead, finding out what Milwaukee means to me, learning about it far past the axioms and tropes that people say about motorcycles and cheese curds and all that and finding a place that's true that deserves to have uh, a lot of the the different stories that are in the book but of course you know all the stories that are living and being out there every single day told and shared more often and it is an anthology so there is i think and i'm flipping through the book right now about 20 or 30 different authors that participated in one way or another but do you think your role is, and I'm going to say an outsider, although you've been here for 10 years, does that play into your strengths as being able to do this? I think that might have 
that might be part of it. Like there's some there's some aspect, and I I had a keen eye with with some of the people that I either reached out to or received submissions from, um, to talk with more people that had not grown up here or grown up. I mean, it's like everyone that is in Milwaukee, eighty five percent of the people in Milwaukee grew up no further than Mayville, Wisconsin. Like everyone is from this very close to Milwaukee and like that census numbers kind of show that to be true. Like Wisconsin is a place where people kind of stay around um, where they grew up and the farthest they might go is Milwaukee or maybe maybe Chicago if they, you know, depending on what the opportunities are, school or that kind of thing. But to your, to your question, I think um, it gave me, I guess, some... Uh, some viewpoint or some interest in 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 having that outsider perspective and and being curious from the the journalism perspective. I mean, you, you probably appreciate the kind of idea that you're you still have the obligation to report and be the fly on the wall for what's going on and be able to present a flavor of what's what's happening. So tapped into some some of the journalism background, I guess that I've that I've had. Um, but I think that it was selfishly an opportunity to learn about a lot of different people and places as well. So when you, you have this idea, you email Belt Publishing, they say yes. They're like, yes, we got a sucker on the line. Here we go. <laughs> Definitely. What comes next? <laughs> I imagine there's this scene in Always, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where there's this big diagram on the wall trying to figure yarn. out what's happening. Yeah. Yes, lots of yarn. Is that what your office became as you tried to figure out who should contribute or how did that work? Definitely. I, I had a, there's some, Milwaukee still small enough where if you're actively engaged you run into some of the same people you share the tweet of the brother ron uh picture that i shared the other day you know you know we reached out to each other even before this interview because milwaukee's small enough where the people that you're you know if you're actively involved in something you will find the people that are actively involved in that thing. and for anyone that doesn't have a clue Sorry, who brother yeah, ron yeah, is yeah, yeah. Uh, justin caught this yeah. great photo of brother ron who drives what can be called the jesus mobile a sure. station wagon or old car with all kinds of stickers on it uh, that are less than generous messages about mostly um, hateful really yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in front of the public market so yeah this beautiful Milwaukee public market fear of the deer broken down car getting towed yeah on a, on the one almost sunny day we had I think that um, it, just as far as thinking about um, the the arrangement of the whole thing, you know, there it was a short list of people that I knew. There was a list of people that kind of dream list of people. Like I, I, I didn't really know Dasha Kelly or James Causey, but um, I, their work stands for itself. Um, and Edgar Mendez at uh, Milwaukee Neighborhood News Service, some people that have written some amazing things that I thought would be important to contribute. Um, some amazing people just came out of the woodwork too, uh, especially on the poetry front. Um, I'm not a trained poetry expert, so luckily the uh, publishers had a key, had a good eye on that kind of thing. So um, it it was it, after a while though. Once things started coming in, it was there was a serious Google sheet. I'll say that there was <laughs> there was a Google sheet that uh, I'm pretty good with not staring down uh, for for a while ever again. Or ever again. Well, one thing I want to talk about the book, just so people get a sense of what it is, there's this type of writing out there that's a bit boosterish. It's travel writing type piece. This isn't that. Not to say that type of writing doesn't have value, but you went in a different direction. Uh, what impressed me, though, is that the book doesn't become Milwaukee sucks. This is a terrible place. It really, honestly, is an honest interpretation of what the city is like through a lot of different viewpoints. I think really adds up into something. 
is that something you deliberately set out to create or just the writers created that on their own? Uh, the writers definitely created that on their own. I, I think the, I wanted to make sure that was, we were provided a template that showed as much as could fit into print of the range and diversity that exists in the city. You know, we get really hung up on the, the rightfully so in some ways, but really hung up on the, the issue of segregation and how people are broken apart into neighborhoods or, or by color or by, you know, uh, issues of class and that, that type of thing. But, um, that sometimes we overlook the actual deep diversity that the Midwest and Milwaukee have. Um, and, and I think it's a bit of a shame that I wasn't able to get more in the book from, from different voices and different groups. But I think the, the natural foundation of providing people from, all types of neighborhoods, walks of life, their voice in the book gave a natural, um, gave a natural kind of rounded view of of what it's like to live in Milwaukee today. And did you have to go and search out diversity? Kind of really comes through in the book, both in who the people are that are writing, be it uh, their genders, their ethnic backgrounds, the topics they're writing about. Was there some? Was there a challenge like, oh, we need to find a Latino female to come write a story? Or did that kind of all organically just come together? I did look at like, I tried to check myself in terms of like what my perceptions of what diversity and what like Milwaukee's actual breakdown were in terms of like who lives here. Um, I did look at some numbers from census figures. And I know uh, one of the things I remember looking at UCC put out, I believe, a really good report on like Hispanics and Latinos in Milwaukee um, and tried to get like a decent sense of like, okay, so if there's 55 contributors in this book, what is a realistic number? If it's like, if it is 45 straight white dudes, then I completely failed. Um, so, you know, it wasn't a thing where I was looking to fill quotas, but it was definitely an aspect of being cognizant of who lives here that I could ver verifiably have a, an understanding and a backbone on and and making sure that as much as possible people were represented and did you have to do that the same for geography you did a really good job of covering much of the city i don't know that like the southwest side of the city which is geographically smaller that's probably tough to cover there's a lot of happening on the southeast side but southwest side is largely a residential area how do you build that into your coverage Boy, some some of it was there were a couple of things like I brought up Edgar's piece uh, where he talked about Southside bars. I thought that was a good angle on bringing get bringing together kind of like decades of Southside culture, but also covering a a bunch of neighborhoods, not just you know one sliver of say Silver City or something like that. Um, I had happened to be at a Ex Fabula event, for instance, and heard a really fantastic just slice of life story from a woman who uh, lives in Haven Woods and helped raise her family there. Um, so, I mean, it, it would have been impossible. I mean, it would have been like, like Gerda did that book, right? Gerda did the City of Neighborhoods book. Right. Um, and so, and he did a fantastic job with it. So um, I, I think just as much as possible, um, tried to tried to throw a bunch of dots at the map and, and cover as much of the city as possible. Um, either with outreach or or in the submission, making sure mentioning neighborhood names. Yeah, I think it, it really succeeds at doing that. There's one of my favorite pieces in that it exposed me to a world I know exists, but haven't ever lived in or been part of, 
uh, was a piece on growing up in Catholic schools in the Catholic Church on the South Side that was just it was phenomenally well written. It really I could I felt like I was part of Jimmy the author's yeah. story by the time I was done reading it, even though I'm just experiencing it through his little short six seven page story. Absolutely, yeah, Jim, Jimmy Kogakevich. Um, uh, Jimmy, if you're listening, go Bucks. Um, Jim, he, he, you know, he broke it down even to. I love in that story, he breaks it down even to the levels of like you would if you were from his neighborhood. Say you were from Canty. If you were from the neighborhood two streets down, your association would be a completely different church, a completely different Catholic school, um, and and that's where you would be from. They're all from Milwaukee, but it's just these even neighborhoods within neighborhoods within neighborhoods of um of existence that that are still going on in our city all across our city and the book largely focuses on the city of milwaukee it branches outside in the suburbs a couple times and one of them i think is the most powerful piece in the book on the oak creek Sikh temple shooting how did you go about securing that piece was that someone that you like hey we need a Sikh temple piece this is important cultural milestone for the city or it's we know this is a really talented writer and we want him couple of things i mean i i but it just came down to like pardeep is someone i had i especially after hearing him and many people at his temple explain kind of what they went through even in those immediate hours after what they went through there was a grace and power to what he would share um with the media or or in, in some radio spots that i'd heard him do interviews on he's become this advocate for for unity and for bringing people together i i just felt like it would have been that was a story that i had high up on the list that i felt like it would be a, it would be a drastic oversight to to miss the deeper part of that story i mean that that that's one of the ones where we've you know like any major american city we've had no shortage of mass shootings in the last number of years but that one um that one stands out, uh, I, I think, in a, that one has has a different kind of um, legs to stand on, and I felt that he was able to present a story of culture and a way of life that is distinctly you know, Sikh, distinctly Indian, but there, there's parts of that story that are exactly like any type of family gathering that's happening in Peshtigo or West Dallas, um, or South Milwaukee or Cudahy, where families just getting together over food, maybe drinking a little too much, laughing a lot, um, and having a birthday celebration. I mean, it, it's it's completely what you would maybe normally think of, you know, the quote unquote normal Wisconsin paradigm of of who lives here, and it, it turns it on on its head in, in a sadly a tragic, you know, with a tragic back, backdrop. Yeah, one of the most powerful things I thought about that piece was how it opens not at the temple, but at a family gathering. As you mentioned, maybe drinking too much. He talks about yeah. strategies I think his father had for you should only have this many drinks and his uncle drinks this much. And it, it was interesting because, yeah, I was like, well, the Sikh culture I don't know a lot about. But here it seems very similar, as you said, to what you would find in Peshtigo or West Dallas. And it was absolutely one of the that was one of the deeper learning experience and moments where I you know, reading it as the editor, I felt rewarded to be able to have insight into that. And that was e even more deeply once, you know, party framed it as, as that. Um, I think that's a thing worth sharing with the rest of the country about, about not just Milwaukee, but the Midwest. And what do you hope people get from this book if they're reading it and they're not from Milwaukee? Well, um, I, I hope that they, 
see the city, uh, certainly see the city in a, for its deeper, more complex um, array. I, I think, especially with a lot of attention on the city over the next year plus, um, with the DNC coming up, with the Bucks and the you know sports teams doing exceptionally well, and there's national news crews just down on uh, you know Vel Phillips watching people party before the Bucks game. That those the more national attention that comes in Milwaukee, the more there are going to be those outside voices. I you know I've been this journalist. I've been the outside person that came just briefly to a place and tried to sum it up in a in a nut graph in a story. And um, I guess the part of the drive would be to uh, provide some bulwark, some deeper conversation piece for outsiders to, to have a, a sliver of, of a different view of what Milwaukee is. But um, I think more importantly, it, this is probably a book that's going to be strongest and most read in our city and in our in southeastern Wisconsin. And my hope would be that it challenges people to get to know the people that are in their own backyard, that this city doesn't always do a very good job of um, setting you up to get to know, to spend time in, in um, Silver City, in Haven Woods, you know, that, that you go meet people. Yeah, that was one of the things that impressed me with the book is a lot of books end up downtown, 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 and then they're like, they, they branch out of it by going to the Lower East Side or Walker's Point or some neighborhood that's just adjacent to downtown. You had a much broader look through all the different pieces. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, how did you decide to include the state of the art section, which is really a series of drawings that just kind of appear in the middle of the book? Yeah, I, I just had this kind of daydream of my, my only background in like publishing while I've been a journalist for for a bunch of years my only background in publishing is like punk rock zines so it's it wouldn't in my in my brain it's not totally alien to all of a sudden just have a bunch of drawings in it um but I, the editors did need a little convincing on that one um uh that said it was an opportunity to show a couple of things that rather than write another essay on the streetcar um to just have a funny little picture of it rather than just show the Calatrava in a picture like you'd see in any kind of tour book or something of Milwaukee. It's probably on the cover of Lonely Planet Milwaukee. I would imagine it's like the Calatrava or something. To show Luke did an amazing drawing of the of the piece that's now in front of City Hall. Um, that was part of that really spectacular kind of Wisconsin Avenue art series. Um, so just a just a couple different uh, viewpoints and, and a different medium to 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 look at our city through. And one of the other things that really struck me in the book is you got a couple authors that have I'm going to call them brands. I would I would expect if you told me Jabril Farage is going to write a piece, yeah, he's going to write a piece about kind of the racial divide in the city and kind of the tale of two cities narrative, and he did that with Holton Street and looking at growing up in River West and being told not to go to the other side. You also have Cheryl Nen, who works for Milwaukee Riverkeeper as the Riverkeeper, and she wrote a piece about Milwaukee's waterways. But what impressed me is they weren't just like token pieces. They were honest to these people, and they really brought out kind of a broad range of their writing, and no more so than Matt Wilde's piece on Brewer's Opening Day, which might have been the best piece of Matt Wilde writing I've read in years. It was the piece he was born to write. Yeah. Did you, as an editor, have to really coax that out, or did people just rise to the challenge? I think people generally if they had the time and did not mind virtually no pay, they understood the 
importance of that underlying message of sharing? Give me your Milwaukee, your vision of Milwaukee. What's the part of Milwaukee that people don't see or don't see enough of, don't hear, don't hear enough of? Um, And so Jabril and I went back and forth on what his piece could be a lot. And he really ruminated. I appreciated the time and energy he put into his And knowing that, that's extra true to Jabril's brand. Yeah, (laughs) it was was like going to be one thing. Then it was going to be something else. And then he brought it really close to home, which I loved. And I think that's why his piece is so strong. And if you live in Milwaukee, if you've spent time in Milwaukee, you know, people talk about different streets, but I think Holton is one of those streets that um, he's right. It's a street that's like viewed as like a dividing line, which is um, sad and, and uh, it's unfortunate. But that, you know, this is, he does a really great job of like, right, explaining what it's like on both sides there. Cheryl, um, Cheryl naturally just, I mean, she's got this like great, like scientific and historic background. And, and I think the thing that I I encouraged her was to push a little harder on the awesome lead, which she provided about Tarzan and about this, like this really (laughs) old weird story about, uh, uh, an actor that played Tarzan that was involved in swimming in the Milwaukee river. But, um, Matt's piece took no coaxing. He, he, I asked him if he would go to opening day and I, I don't know, he, this might be calling him out on something, but he actually said for all the Brewers games he's gone to and for all, I think he's probably written a story about Bob Uecker every single day of his life, whether it got printed or not, but, um, he had never been to opening day. Wow. So he took it on almost as like an obligation. It sounded like to, to go and, and do that signature Milwaukee Brewers experience, which would not be, you know, in a lot of, for a lot of teams, the pennant game or like some big thing, it would be the first day of the season when it's cold and there's too much beer and it's Monday morning. <laughs> Monday morning. Yes. He did a really good job of, uh, I went to opening day this year and I realized readings, Matt, reading Matt's piece that I just didn't take it in. Like I should have, I did my thing. I went to my party. I walked with my friends into the stadium. I sat with them Instead, Matt kind of just wanders around in the parking lots and does a bit of an academic discourse on how big different lots are, yeah. but yet really captures the ethos of all the different tailgates you can possibly encounter. And, 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 the, and just like the random people, that if you really just stopped and look around, you know, it's not just that just the random people that the guy that's like sitting by the water that's just kind of yelling <laughs> yeah. at his own, the guy that plays the Pink Panther theme, like, I mean, I mean, just some really good slice of like life characters. And it's really funny too and is there a piece that you wanted to get in the book but you couldn't um, or an author you wanted to weigh in and couldn't get yeah um yeah i mean there there were there were a couple a, a few things got cut because of length unfortunately including a few things that i put together and wrote i i had intended maybe a little bit more ephemera or bric-a-brac in there um i had had an interview with James Lovell that didn't make it. Um, I had had pieces. J- James Lovell or Mike Lovell? James Lovell, the astronaut. Intrude. Okay, yeah, yeah. wow. You can learn more about that on my website, justinallenkern.com. <laughs> um, but I had had a piece about some of the, you know, one of, one of my concerns with the book was Dahmer. I was like, does there have to be a Dahmer thing in here? So initially it had, I'd had some of the victim in sentencing statements, which I think are very striking, and decided space-wise that, that you know you can find that on youtube yeah um, I, I thought the book really breathed and moved well without without like the Dahmer thing yeah I, there was some reminding uh in that spec you know I, I think one of the things i think is missing is um i i was curious about it and there has been a, a small but not insignificant 
um, kind of diaspora to Milwaukee of people of, of Rohingya background. Um, and I've seen that along Oklahoma, there's, there's like a community center and that would have been, a, I think that to me, that's a big miss that we didn't get in the book, but, um, I know the journal, there's been a journal Sentinels had a really great a reporter that's written about them. And I, it, there's been some other stories, but that, that would have been one I would have liked to have a voice from, from someone from that community in the book. Yeah. I would assume that becomes tough because not only you identify, we want to cover this community, but then you want someone in the community to cover yeah. it. And to not make it exploitive and, you know, I don't want to exploit anyone or that kind of thing. So certainly there are a lot of considerations, but that, that was one that, that hung out there for me. All right. In one piece, I have to note, uh, spurred action to me already. Uh, last weekend was the, last weekend being May 6th, uh, May 5th, was the celebration, remembrance is the right word, of the Bayview tragedy, the massacre at the rolling mill that is uh, at Russell and Superior. Is that the intersection? Right yeah. by the Palomino. And, and a, yeah, right near in Club Garibaldi and, and all that, right off the highway spur, sure. And I had known about this, and every single year I missed it. And over the last week, I've really dived into the book and made sure I read everything so we could talk about it. And I was like, hey, this is coming up real soon. I'm going to go. So thank you. Your book uh, spurred action in me. Uh, it's all Ken Ken Germanson and his awesome work, or that everyone that puts together that event. I, I mean, it, it and the giant, were you there for the giant puppets and everything? Too? Yes, I mean, my wife loved them. She th- she was like, well, they're done. There's not going to yeah, be more. Yeah, it, make, it makes, I mean, it really, it brings some kind of life and a little, in a light, I think a little more depth in history. Um, but it, that event is really fantastic too, because it's, it, it's present. It's, you know, you, there's a lot of active labor there. Um, which, I, that's, that's a voice that I, I think it's overlooked a lot of times, uh, in our country. And there was also an essay on Milwaukee day. I thought it was interesting to learn a lot more about it. I mean, I know Brent Gody and his partners have all been interested in creating this holiday and have really built it and it's, wow, it's a machine now. But I didn't realize it's as old as he had. I think it's almost 10 years old now, the idea. Yeah, usually things, I think, started basically for tomfoolery, uh, don't have the legs that that this event has. But I I, I like that Brent made it um, almost a day, something where he's he's kind of sees it and sizes it up as like a day of service to the city. If something like, you know, maybe there's a higher-minded view of, uh, ultimately, this day, this becomes a day of recognition and and some partying, and some party, <laughs> yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Uh, how did you decide to have poetry as a part of the book? Um, I had, you know, they had had, um, they had had nonfiction pieces in some of the other city anthologies, um, and interspersed with poetry. And I felt for the consistency of the series that it'd be important to keep some of the poems in there. And and it was. Um, the, those ended up being some of my favorite pieces, truthfully. I mean, and Matt Cook, I, you know, selfishly again, I, Matt Cook is one of the, my favorite writers to read um, and and hear from. But but I think he's just like devastatingly funny and just has this super unique perspective of like uh, of his everyday life walking between like maybe UWM and River West or taking the bus. Or that yeah, kind that of was thing. an yeah. enjoyable one. Yeah. And so for anyone that's interested in learning about how they can get the book, where they can get the book, we will post all of that on urbanmilwaukee.com. But we can't let Justin out of here without finding out what is his underrated Milwaukee restaurant or bar. Uh, so quickly, the restaurant would be Guanajuato, which I think, you know, I don't. The, I think this just like wouldn't be on the normal list of like places. But that restaurant feels like I'm eating in some abuelita's kitchen. That makes me feel like comfy. And then for bar, uh, Mamie's I think would be a place that everyone in the city should should go get a beer or ten. 
And what are your favorite aspects of Mamie's? Uh, it is, I, it reminds me of the community neighborhood corner bars that I grew up with my parents taking me to and then ended up going to into my own, uh, adulthood. And it, it, it is one of the few places where, um, it plays true to the fact that you know, everyone's welcome. And we have about 20 seconds. Tell me why should I visit Buffalo and when? Buffalo is a kind slash destroyed place that you should visit anytime for an earnest view of the United States with tons of great art, some of the best food you will ever eat, and the most humbling sports experiences of your life. All right. Well, we'll end on that. This has been City Beat recorded at Riverwest Radio in lovely Riverwest in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thanks, Justin. Thank you.